and welcome to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. A reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360 Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review our show. I'm your host, William Liu, and I am joined on the line by David Thorpe from True Hoop, friend of the program. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Will? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And, um, you know, one of the things I, I I find with the daily show is that you end up talking about the same subjects over and over again um, because, quite <laughs> frankly, uh, you know, there's not a game every other day to change sort of the topics. And so, um, you know, just off the top, I, I do want to excuse myself to the, the viewers because I, I know that uh, we've talked a lot about Scotty and his struggles um, on this program. But listen, Coach, you have... I mean, you, you get a lot of the credit, at least on the Raptors side of things, for, you know, uh, speaking the good word about Scotty Barnes early, early, early on. Uh, and then obviously last year, he made you look really, really smart with that prediction. Um, and I think people really do love your specific insights on Scotty, it, it, not just when it's good, but also sort of when he's been in a slump. So I want to start there. What are you seeing from Scotty of late that, um, you know, where he just doesn't fully look like himself, at least on the numbers? Well, he doesn't look like himself in, in, uh, on the court either. Um, I'll start with this. Uh, two years ago, I do the most improved uh, show with Zach Lowe at the end of every season. And two seasons ago, I picked Luca, And last season, I picked John Morant. And I get plenty of criticism for picking those guys because I think in you know both cases, they might have been going into year three. And uh, they're already so good. What do you mean? They're most improved. And I made the same argument two years in a row, which is basically to be really good uh, as a young player is tough. To keep getting better, better is way tougher. And and the, really, the final jump to to go from good player to maybe all star, and then from all star to all NBA is is just super super challenging. And so with with that responsibility that Scotty got last year as Rookie of the Year. Uh, the expectation is ch- is hard to realize. Everyone wanted him to make this next jump. It doesn't just happen because his name is Scotty Barnes. It doesn't just happen because he's a McDonald's All-American and that he was Rookie of the Year. None of those things matter. None of those things help him score a single point, get a rebound, or pass for an assist in a game. You have to earn all of those things all the time. And as a as an amateur, amateur psychologist, which it is what my degree is in from college, uh, I think we all know that human nature is our species tends to relax after success. And uh, I, I don't have any clue. I've never met Scotty. I have no clue what he did this summer. But I have an inkling that it wasn't what like what Pascal Siakam did. <laughs> you know, it, it's not an accident that those those players that run the league are killing themselves in the offseason. And I know, Will, you know that I was able to see a little bit of what Pascal did this summer. I've witnessed other all-star level players and, and including work with some in the summers. I, I can almost guarantee you that's not what Scotty Barnes was doing this summer. I think he was hooping a lot. Uh, I, that doesn't five on five in the summertime where no one's really guarding anybody. It just isn't the same. And so what we're seeing, I think, is a reflection of of that lack of, urgency in his off-season work, whatever it was that he was doing. And then the other thing I think is happening is 
I don't remember anyone complaining about Scotty in the first three weeks of the season. No, no, not at all. But uh, it's it's a lot easier. You know, you you can be going 160 miles an hour in a Lamborghini if a professional driver is driving you. Well, that's what you had with Siakam and the way he was playing. He, you're talking about a guy that was legit MVP candidate, and he wasn't one of those MVP candidates like an Embiid, for example, who is destructing everything in his path, destroying it, uh, and getting a couple of assists here and there. Siakam was carrying everybody with him just because that's the way he plays. Mm-hmm. Giannis is the same, and some of LeBron's years, he's been the same. You know, Kawhi, you would never really say that, although I think Kawhi for, for some years became a very good passer. And so I think Scotty was just alongside that. And all of the Raptors have had to deal with that adjustment in his absence. He, you know, he's such an irrepre- irreplaceable force on both ends, Pascal is as a facilitator, not just a score. In fact, I would argue he's probably more of a facilitator than just a score. Mm. And now you got to do it on your own. And I have not seen a couple of things with Scotty. I've not seen the same passion and love for the game, the same energy. Uh, his ball handling skills to me have not progressed and I thought they needed to. And then you could get down to the nitty gritty. Well, he, he's, he, even though he's made a few more threes, he's not finishing nearly as well. Maybe that's a product of, his increased uh, muscle, which means he's a little bit maybe more gravity-bound. Oh, that could, that could change. Maybe he had – I know he had a little ankle issue. Mm. I heard that that maybe he was sick for a couple of days. The Raptors are dealing with some of that, I heard. Yep. So those things can be factors too. But I'm definitely not seeing the same incredible zeal for the game that I fell in love with the one year he played at Florida State. And that's really what made me, I think, look mildly smart last year is that's exactly what he did. He just isn't able to do that. He can't get by people the same. He's not finishing at the rim the same. His mid-range, mid, not mid-range, his what I call second box scoring isn't the same. And um, I feel like he's trying to be, he wants to be an all-star. Well, who doesn't want to be an all-star? But what are you doing in your offseason? And then what are you doing day-to-day now and then in games to earn that? It takes a lot of work. And I don't know that he's putting that time in. Right. And, and you know, Coach, I, I think for... For a player who's struggling like that right now, um, I mean, what's the role of the coaching staff to sort of get him back on track or, um, you know, because I, I, I think there are a lot of expectations and I think, you know, your point is about the passion is, is pretty astute because Nick has said this twice now where, um, you know, before the season and then most recently after the win against Detroit uh, where he said that one of the things with Scotty last year was just every he was just bouncing with excitement. Every single game was a new yeah. challenge, and he approached it with that sort of all-consuming energy. And it's just so much harder to do a second year. You know, when the game becomes harder and less new, and also just a little bit less exciting. You know, I, that sounds like something where the coaching and, and just the people around him, maybe even yeah, teammates as well, um, can sort of help him sort of rediscover that because that is one of those things that is a signature Scotty Barnes trait. Okay, I'm going to kind of flip that hypothesis around, although I I definitely think you're right. It it first falls on Scotty. It is is first up to him to to bring that same kind of passion and energy. I mean, we're just in the middle of November. I mean, we're just getting started. Mm. He can't already be burnt out. And he's only only just turned 21, I think, in August, if I remember correctly. So uh, this is is not a guy that's, you know, scratching on – retirement store uh, it's a concern quite frankly if the franchise has to inspire him i i will say and i i probably said this to you before 
in my book on, I think on page one, I wrote, we are first in the business to inspire as coaches. Yep. And so I definitely believe that to be true. Uh, but in the professional level, uh, that should not be job one of these coaches on a daily basis. Uh, that's got to be on Scotty and, and team Scotty, the people that, that are in his corner, uh, you know, whether he's with the Raptors or another team, these guys are all, you know, they're all CEOs of their own businesses. And, um, I, the way the Raptors play fits right into his personality that, uh, you know, I am lucky enough to get to help not just players, but coaches too in the league mm-hmm. deal with the Raptors. That's not fun. Although it can be fun because there's, they gamble so much. If you're more patient, you pass fake more, you're poised, you're, you're always ball strong. You can find some openings in their defense because they're just so ultra aggressive and so grabby and, and reachy and gambling so much, uh, which is great for Scotty and, and quite frankly, most of their roster, if not their whole roster. Um, but yeah, collectively, they do have to find a way to, for him, it really comes down to, you know, it's hard to be excited when you're not having great success. And I would the first thing I would do with him is is change up how he sees what's successful. I think he feels like he's supposed to be Siakam. He just, mm-hmm. I mean, he may never be Siakam. Let's face it. As much as I, you guys know how how high I've been on Scotty. Yeah. But Siakam's a top ten player in the world right now, as I see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and to to think Scotty's definitely going to get there is is to not understand this game. So I would I would lower my expectations for him in terms of production and efficiency and raise it in terms of just pure effort and passion and define how he's playing on those numbers. How's your rebounding? How's your deflections? How's your steals and blocks? How's your help percentage and those kinds of things? How often are you racing instead of running? If all those scores are going up, my guess is everything else will kind of rise or ascend with it. Mm -hmm. And I think he's caught up in just the pure numbers part of it. And that's, that's just an experience to be honest. I'll just tell you real quickly. Uh, you may remember in 2006 that the, the Heat played the Mavericks in the and it was two two and going into Game Five after Dallas won the first two and Miami won the next two at home and I was at that game and that was the game where Wade scored 36 I think I could be wrong but it was something like 30 something and the Mavericks did everything they could to stop him double teamed at half court double teamed in the full court like what they you know Shaq was just like an ancillary player for them at that point Wade was everything mm-hmm. and when the game was over I called a client of mine who was like a son of me named Kevin Martin, who was who had just finished his second year in the league, averaging like 11 a game, 14 in the last 41 games where he started. And I said to him, I remember walking out of the Miami arena, calling him and saying, do you, do you, did you see the energy Wade had to put in in order to take over that game and, and then continue to do so even after Dallas did everything they could to stop it? I think Avery Johnson was the coach then, and they did everything they could, and it didn't matter. And he said he did. And I said, well, this is mid-June. Like, what are you going to do, you know, next month when you start training with me? How hard are you going to work every day to be able to deliver even just the course of the regular season? Uh, I'm happy to say that he scored over 20 points for six seasons in the NBA. And none of it was easy. And that's the, that's the message Scotty's got to embrace right now is you had great success based on talent and effort and all of that. But to ascend from there requires even more work, more humility, more patience, and a more of a relentless drive every day to watch film, study your opponents, connect with your team. It's it's a harder ask. It's worthwhile because you get paid for it, and that's what the money's for. Yeah, I mean that's 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 great perspective, and I think that uh, you know these are all like for a young player too. These are lessons that 
you kind of have to go yeah. through some of these experiences to truly understand, yep. you know, where you get to that next level. I think it's that's applicable to, to people, not even just in basketball, but I think across all walks of life when you sort of hit that first ceiling and then break through it and keep going and stuff like that. I, I think, you know, on the basketball side of it, one conversation that a lot of people have been having here in Toronto is sort of just about role definition for Scotty. What is the role for him? You know, people like to point to, you know, a couple of times he's, he's been quoted saying, you know, I see myself as a point guard. People look at his Instagram page. It says point guard on there. Um, and I think Nick has even acknowledged it as well that, you know, he does want to play point. Um, if, if that's the role for him that he wants to go uh, down, um, what, what's the progression that you sort of need to see from him in his growth as a, to eventually become, um, you know, a, a very effective point guard in this league? Well, first of all, you have to be an elite ball handler. Uh, and it's even harder. The taller you are, the harder it is because the ball is traveling that much longer before it gets back in your hands. Uh, your center of gravity is lifted a little bit because you're taller. Uh, and so you've just, you've got to get so much better. He, he does, but I give this speech to my point guards all the time, almost on a daily basis. In fact, my clients have to spend 10 minutes a day every day on their handle, including game day. I don't care what the team does. They owe, they owe themselves 10 minutes extra of, of handle. And normally it's stationary ball handling if it's game day. If it's not game day and, and you're not practicing real hard, then you can do it in more movement stuff. But you just have to have an, an elite handle. The ball's got to be part of your hand. The next thing is the harder thing. Well, well first of all, finishing is important. It, you, being, if he doesn't want to be a taller Ricky Rubio, uh, you've got to learn to finish better. You've mm. got to learn to, to make shots and then be weaponized as a scorer, which is something he did not do in college well. I thought he was much better last year. Yep. And then, and then the hardest thing is, and this takes years, and this may be part of what we're going through here too with him, which is managing that balance of floor leader, quarterback, score. It, it's just hard to do. And the players, like I think Fred, for example, uh, he sees himself as a scorer first, and I'm fine with that. If that's who you are and you don't take bad shots, great because you're always weaponized looking to score uh scotty is such a gifted passer as you well know yep. and so it's not he's never probably going to have that personality but you've got to get comfortable with okay when is it my time to shoot and when is it my time to pass and there's there's rules for that there's there's a you can even use math if there's a you know the probability of your of you succeeding on a particular shot can dictate whether or not you should pass or shoot but he's such a feel guy mm. i don't think analytically he's thinking about that but as, as he ages, he will. But I, I've noticed in the last few games that I've watched of his, and to be honest with you, when you guys lost Siakam, I didn't watch as much because you're not as good. I really oh, try to focus on the better teams. It's not teams. even the same. It's not close. Uh, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't follow all 30 teams. So yeah. I got to follow the relevant teams. I, I catch them enough on Synergy. I was watching some three or four days ago, even before you texted me, just to kind of see how they were doing. And there are times where Scotty feels, it looks like to me like he's thinking, I've got to shoot this. And that's a terrible mindset to have. You could have the mindset of, I have to make a play, but the play isn't necessarily to shoot. That's dictated on how open you are. What's the likelihood you're going to score and or get fouled? And if those numbers are lower, well, then you should be passing the ball to someone who's got a higher number. And honestly, it, it, that just takes time. Uh, but if he improves his handle, and the one thing I him, him at point guard is I'd hate for him to be not, not involved in the offensive rebounding game and the cutting game. Mm. Those are two of his real strengths. So, I, I, Nick's, Nick Nurse is no dummy. He will play him some like Ben Simmons when Ben Simmons was an all-NBA player. Not, not this Ben Simmons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, get him in the dunk spot. Get him cutting. Get him screening and rolling and picking and popping, of course. And then, of course, being a primary ball handler, using screens. And he also has to get much, much better 
he, he's actually bad using screens when I've watched at understanding how to use them, refuse them, reuse them, use them, then refuse them. There, there's, a, there's a subtle art to this game and a science. And I think he's got some feel for both, but he's nowhere near the expert at either yet because he's just, he needs more reps. He's young. Yeah, no, we, we keep coming back to this. I mean, like, obviously, sometimes for people who are really, really enamored with Scotty, and obviously there's good reason to be, right? Um, yeah. You know, people have a hard time sometimes. They reflectively reject some of these criticisms or even just sort of updates on sort of how he's playing. Um, but I think, again, like, this has to all be said in the context that he is very young and that this is a, a new situation for him that he's sort of having to adapt to. I think your point about him playing point guard and, and sort of, you know, taking away from the other aspects of this game is, is really, really interesting. I haven't heard that point uh, a lot from, you know, just elsewhere in, in the Raptors conversations because, yes, he is a really good cutter. He is really good at the offensive rebounding when he's around the hoop, but he's obviously around the basket as much if he's mostly setting up the plays at the top. Uh, and occasionally we see him in the dunker spot. If you see a lot more with Pascal, he actually has really good chemistry with uh, the high-low game yeah. with Pascal, but obviously yeah. without Pascal drawing two, three defenders to him, uh, everyone else suffers a little bit. Um I think the, my, my last thing with Scotty before we sort of pivot to a couple of other Raptors and, and then just to the East mm-hmm. in general is, um, yeah, I mean, just, you know, for, for this, the scoring aspect with him, you know, you do see stretches. Like, it's not uncommon. Even if he's having a quiet game where for a five-minute period, he takes over and and really is able to score with ease. And I think for a lot of people, it's sort of hard to sort of um, – understand how it is that he can score so easily at times and then go so quiet for, for longer stretches. Yeah. I I think the same thing in terms of how he'll disappear and then reappear so magically. Uh, I'm not surprised at that. It's hard to do. It's, it's uh, I don't know if it's conditioning because of his sickness or his ankle. I don't know any of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The relentlessness. uh, I, I say this a lot to guys. Uh, if, if you are a, if you're a hammer, people can, people can use that tool as a screwdriver, just like they can use a screwdriver in a sense as a hammer, depending on what it is you're trying to hammer into what in the substance, but the hammer is the hammer and the screwdriver is a screwdriver. And it's really hard to get players to understand the concept of that. What I mean by that, Will, is when nobody can stop you from attacking the rim, and you do something other than that, well, that's your choice. Mm. That's the screwdriver pretending to be a hammer, right? When Giannis won the championship, I, we covered it very closely at True Hoop, as you know, and we, we, we started writing about the difference in, in both Giannis and the Bucks when they realized, oh, Phoenix can't stop us in the paint. And Giannis took a couple threes a game, almost, almost like pressure release, almost like comic relief, really. Mm. But they were going to the rim over and over. It was It was non-stop it was joe frazier hunting people's jaws for anyone who's my age who remembers smoking joe frazier back in the day uh you you have to have that relentlessness this is how boston played a lot last year just pounding the paint and i think that it's hard to just keep doing it the pick and roll player who on occasion wants to show off he's good at iso when he's not that's making a mistake Mm. the best pick and roll guys do it ad nauseum they don't ever let you breathe. And this is what I would say to Scotty. Your energy and length that, and his big, his big so big and strong now. If you just bring that all the time, you're putting, you're putting a lot of pain and pressure on the opponent. Mm. And that's what we're trying to do. You don't have to do it with these nuanced jumpers and scoring things that you don't really have much anyway. That's what they want you to do. What they don't want you to do is Giannis them to death. 
And that's what I would challenge him to do more is be that guy. And uh, the other stuff will come. And if you can just, like I would have told him before the season, just be like last year with a better three-point shot. That's the only difference I want. Yeah. Same as last year, same energy, passion. If the ball's in your hands more, I would like to see you continue to play, make more. It's something I think he can do. Uh, definitely, you know, try to get to 33, 35% from three. And if you do everything else the same, you're going to score 18 points a game and you're going to be competing for all-star because we're going to be a better team. Right. And I just haven't seen that. And again, for whatever reason, that same unbelievable, that exuberant energy that he had is just not always there and it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes, you know, when you're, when you're young like that and, and you have had so much success in your life at an early point, like, yeah. When it starts to get difficult, it does become a little bit less fun. But I think, obviously, like, this is not an uncommon thing that people go through. You know, like, it eventually it will be fun again, and you have to always right. find that joy in, in what's happening regardless of the results. Um, you know, I want to pivot over to the uh, the other uh, six six eight point guard that the Raptors drafted last year, Delano Banton. So he finally had a, a breakout game um, against the Pistons uh, to, to sort of help the Raptors get a win here. Um you know, you know, Delano's been really interesting because I, I think there's definitely rare gifts that he has, um, but obviously he doesn't show it on a consistent basis. Uh, he was able to have 27 points against the Pistons. Coach, I, I don't know how much Delano you've seen, but um, if there is a rare gift there, well, where do you what do you see it as? I mean, he's he's got the size of a of a small forward and and has some you know primary ball handling talents. Um, I think that I don't know um, what his quickness level is like. Um, and, and that's where I think Scotty was very quick, especially last year for his size. But he definitely got, you know, that combination of, of a feel for ball handling at good size. He obviously is a great fit for what Toronto likes to do. Um, you know, just the, the tallest guys possible. There's some upside there. You don't just score 27 by accident in the game. And he did a bunch, you know, he rebounded block shots and mm-hmm. got some steals. Uh, the, the fit is good. Which is super important. On, on the on the wrong team, you might be in more trouble. He's shooting decently. Uh, at the you know at the very least, he's worthwhile to continue to develop because of how Toronto plays. And um, you can't have enough six seven guys that can that can really play one two three four positions on the court on both ends. That's it's a very valuable thing to have. And the the Raptors are trying to corner the market on it. Yeah, and you know I, I, you were talking about the, the quickness. You know the one thing with Delano in the on the open court, he is very fast with the ball in his hands, um, especially for a guy that big. Which even if he's just regular guard speed, but that big and able to to, to play fast, I think it really helps him finish around the basket in transition. You'll see opportunities where he's able to score a lot for for a guard in, in the open floor. I think my question is sort of like, how do you get a player that who can play at that kind of speed to then be effective in the half court? Because I don't think he has necessarily the point guard skills to be that effective in the half court right now. Um, but there is an element of his game where he can be fast with the ball in his hands, but it's, it's like exclusively in the open court. So I always, I, I contrast speed and quickness. Uh, quickness is speed in tight, tight spaces. Okay. So same idea. You're getting somewhere quickly in very small periods of time. Whereas speed over the course of 94 feet is, is more obvious like a dead sprint. Mm. And it always comes down to ball handling always comes down to ball handling in the half court. Uh, the ball slows almost every player down. It enhances, in, in, in most cases, the, the best uh, ball handlers, their quickness. So, so John Morant's exceedingly quick and fast. 
The ball doesn't slow him down one bit. Kyrie is not that quick. The ball makes him faster because he uses it as a tool mm. to disorient the defense and, and confuse and make him think you're going left. We call it show and go. You think I'm going nowhere, but I'm going right. You think I'm going right? Oh, I'm going left and so forth. And so the taller these guys are, the harder it is. But that's what you've got to be able to do. In Kawhi's case and Kevin Durant's case and LeBron even, mostly, especially LeBron now, it just doesn't slow them down. Uh, just imagine being a bad ball handler. How can you go anywhere fast? You can't dribble. Well, you've got, you've got to be proficient, and then you've got to be elite. So for him, he's he should be, you know, any primary ball handler should be doing it extra every single day. Steph Curry is another great example. This is not an elite athlete in terms of explosive coverage of ground or in the air, and yet look what the, his handle allows him to do. Mm-hmm. That's what Delano's got to be focused on, the same thing. And then being able to finish really well around the rim and maybe some kind of mid-range floater, you know, I call it second box, you know, the area from eight feet to 15 feet in the paint. Whether you float it, whether you jump shoot it, whether you've got a runner, you've got to weaponize yourself somehow when you have a little bit of an advantage against your uh, defender. If you can score, now you're drawing help. If you can't score, they'll stay home. That's how Ricky Ruby always struggled. People stayed home frequently against him because he struggled to score or get fouled. Delano, if he can score and or get fouled as a finisher, it, it makes him much more weaponized and therefore more valuable. Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right, moving away from the Raptors, I want to get your thoughts on a couple of teams in the Eastern Conference as well. Um, I thought Miami started the season really poorly. The Raptors played them twice. Uh, they were able to get a split against the Raptors, but it was one of those, um, you know, second half of back-to-back in Miami kind of scenarios. Uh, they, they struggled in that game. Also, there was a fight randomly. Um, hopefully, there's no fighting today. But uh, they're 5-2 they're and two in, in recent weeks. It started with them beating the Warriors. Uh, they had a great comeback win against Phoenix. Um, you know, the only two losses in that stretch, they were both by one possession. Um, yeah. Is, is Miami starting to turn it around a little bit in your eyes, coach? And, and, you know, my early read with Miami was that they just didn't have enough size to be that competitive. But at the same time, there, there is definitely great coaching there and a lot of really good guard talent. Yeah. I always remind people, um, the, the heat were the first team ever to go 11 and 30, and then go 30 and 11, right. literally 30 yeah. and 11 the yeah. second half of the year. That, that's, that's coaching. Stan Van Gundy also, I believe he was the first coach ever to be like, I don't remember now, but it might have been 20 games below 500 at one point and still make the playoffs. I think it was in the Dwayne Wade's rookie year. I think they finished 42 and 40, and they were really bad for a while. Uh, it's, it's, in the, it's in the blood down there, um, which is where my family's from. Um, the, uh, he, he's supposed to be a great coach. I think... You know, they, you, they're pragmatic. They find ways to, to be effective with the talent they have. Uh, I do not favor them in the East. I like another team that doesn't have a great record right now over them. But uh, Miami is not going to – they're not going to be a pushover. Jimmy Butler is just such an incredible player. Uh, he alone makes such a difference. And we'll see how Bam – you know, Bam's got to continue to develop. But if he does, uh, especially as a scorer, it, it makes a big difference for them. Mm. I'm assuming the the, the other team that – doesn't have a great record right now that you like more than them is, is, is the team they beat last year, Philadelphia. Yeah, exactly. I think just from my, my inside knowledge of the team, um, I, I'm, I don't know that doc is going to be the long-term coach there. We'll see. Um, but the team likes each other. I've been saying mm-hmm. this now for three weeks. I've been watching the games. I don't see a problem with the roster. I, I don't know that they listen to the coach a whole lot. And that, that could be an issue, but um this is if they, if Joel Embiid started the season like this, they wouldn't have this oh, record. Are you kidding me? He yeah. he just needed. 
Yeah, he just needed to get in yeah. shape. And I really liked the last game I saw them play, which was the game that he he pretty much you know put the entire league on his back. Oh, he put a Wolf um, stat line on there. That's a that's a stat line from nineteen sixty. <laughs> It, it, it was breathtaking to watch. I watched the whole game. Yeah. And I thought, I swear to you, Will, I thought he's going to have a heart attack. This guy played so hard. Mm. You know, Jokic cruises into his stellar, amazing career. And I, by the way, you know, of course he's trying hard. But Embiid's falling all over the place, sweating everywhere. I was worried about him. Of course, he, he didn't have a heart attack. He just had a great game. Mm. Um, but I liked how Harden cheered. I... I uh, you know, you're talking about like James Harden is like Tom Brady. So is LeBron James and Chris Paul in that Tom Brady, the quarterback for the now for the bucks. They just have seen everything. There's nothing that James Harden hasn't seen against him. This is new for having a, a teammate like this at the center spot, but he's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant basketball mind. And so seeing Joel play like this has got to ex- excite James so much. And I also think, and I know this from, from talking to people directly with the team, Harden thinks Maxi is fantastic. Like there is no feelings of jealousy based on what I've heard from really, really good sources. Uh, he wants Maxi to be like an all NBA player. And so uh, that vibe is going to, it's going to show out. Like I, I think the East is really tough and uh, you know, Milwaukee is dealing with some injuries. You guys are dealing with your best player being injured. Um, and uh, Boston is missing their best defensive player. Not that it matters to their offense are crushing it. And I think Boston's, you know, Brown and Tatum are, the, are a duo that's just c- killing the league. But um, I just think Philly, at the end of the day, that Embiid is such a he's such a neutralizer for any disadvantage the Sixers may be suffering from. And then when James James just has to be good or even really good, he doesn't yeah. have to be elite. I think Maxi also can be really good. So you've got two borderline All Star players. A Harden will probably be an All Star, and then an MVP candidate. That's gonna be a tough team. And they've got they've got depth too. They've got shooting. With PJ Tucker and George Niang, who had seven threes in one game last week, they've they've got plenty. And Cork Moss was coming around, then he got hurt a little bit. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Qu- I think Philly's gonna be right there at the end. Yeah, they're they're a really tough team, um, especially when when James really gets into that mode where he's he's playmaking, but also find the right balance between scoring and playmaking. Which you know, it's funny. We just had this conversation with Scotty. Like, even sometimes yeah. a guy like James can struggle with this, and we saw that last year. Um, but like oh, Chris what? Paul struggles with it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris That's Paul right. struggled with example. it in the playoffs. In the playoffs, this old man still sometimes doesn't try hard enough to score until his team's too far behind mm-hmm. when he can score all the time from his favorite spot, that right elbow. It's, a, it's the hardest thing. It's not the hardest position in sports. That's center for basketball. But it's very hard for point guards to balance that. And for 21-year-olds, forget about it. Like, there's no reason. It, it's easier when Pascal is there for Scotty because he kind of knows where he stands. When he's not there, it's a little bit harder for him. I think they'll grow from it, Toronto will. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it, like you said, James Harden isn't perfect. It's hard to do. Yeah. But when he when he does strike that right balance, um, they're they're terrifying. They yeah. they had some really ultra efficient, like 120 offensive rating games against the Raptors in the playoffs last year. And the Raptors are no right. slouch defensively. Um no, no. At the top of the East, Boston and Milwaukee, um, you know, one and two, no one's surprised there. Uh, they are the two best teams at the Eastern Conference. If you just had to guess right now, based on those two teams, which which one has a slight edge for you, Coach? To win the East or just win the regular season? Win the East. Uh, oh, I, I would I would lean towards, you know, it's close. I, I, my, my gut reaction is to say lean towards the better player, Giannis, but I don't know if Jason Tatum's behind anybody right now. 
Uh, their offense is so good. Their defense is not, but Robert Williams changes that significantly. So, right. I still have a hard time. Uh, you know, the, the 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 experience of Coach Bud as compared to the new coach there in Boston. Um, I mean, I it's a, to me, it's a seven game series, coin flip. Yeah, I would I would do an incredibly slight lean to to Milwaukee only if Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are really healthy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting too because I think when you're so clearly like one and two at the at the top of the conference like that like it also depends on what moves you make at the trade deadline especially you know yeah. in accordance to each other i remember the year the raptors won uh the championship in 2019 that team was not complete until they traded for marc gasol uh at the right. deadline and the reason they did that is because they looked at the playoffs and they're like we're probably gonna have to go through Embiid and probably have to go through Giannis. we better have the one of the best interior defenders of all time yeah. on our side with right. us you know so <laughs> we'll see how those two teams adjust to each yeah. other if there is a way for Boston to sort of improve their their coverage against Milwaukee or or vice versa, do do you see that? You mean you mean uh, when Rob Williams comes back, what could, that they can do better? Yeah, yeah. In addition to Rob Williams, because I feel like the Celtics probably have. Oh, just, oh, oh. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know what? I don't know. They need to. Der- Derek White and Marcus Smart. Everyone knows Marcus Smart's a great defender. I I picked him for Defensive Player of the Year. Apparently, people think. People think that was the wrong pick, even though he did win. Um, but Derek White is terrifying on defense, too. He's unbelievable. So they've got two of those guys, plus Robert Williams, plus Tatum and Brown. Mm. And I don't think, I mean, as good as Brown's playing, he's not, he, he can still play better. I'm not sure Tatum can. He's, he's just being magnificent. Um, no, I think, I think they have enough, and Brockton gives them that driving dimension, which only opens up more gaps. Uh, it's just the other end where, I mean, Giannis, I, what I've seen Giannis at his best, uh, it, it just it's it's hard to mitigate that if he's got his help and he needs the help. And Pat Connaughton's out. Um, Brooke Lopez has been he's had really good moments this year. Yeah. Um, I think I think Milwaukee is I think Boston's still angry over what's happened both last season in the finals and with losing their coach. Uh, not that he shouldn't have been fired, he should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Milwaukee's kind of coasting, knowing that. You know, we'll get down to February, March, and then we'll, you know, we'll really hope we kick it in gear. Yeah. Um, by the way, Derek White, I, I've, I made this comparison elsewhere, but do you see a little Corey Brewer in him? <laughs> I do. Yeah. It's just, first of all, he is little. Um, yeah. yeah. These, uh, they're just, you know, Corey was a nightmare uh, as a defensive player. Nobody liked to go against him. I'm talking about Westbrook Durant. He just unnerved you all the time and and made plays in the paint too, even though he's a perimeter defender. Derek White's a very good paint defender. Not, and I don't mean just mean posting, I mean driving. He, if you expose even a little bit of the ball, it's it's very possibly gone or mm-hmm. at least off your knee out of bounds. He's he's uh relentless that way. And um and I and by the way, speaking of Derek White, his old teammate Jante Murray, uh, don't sleep on Atlanta. I mean, oh, Toronto's good too, but yeah. Yeah, I really, I really like them. They play very differently. Two guys dominate the ball exclusively for that team, but it also means they don't turn the ball over. They're, I think, right. they're number one in the league in fewest turnovers per hundred. Uh, I'd love the pairing when they did the trade. I would not have done that, but I, I, I just didn't think they would. I thought other teams would go after Jante, but I really like it. And uh, yeah, they've got to continue to get growth from not just Capella, who's is what he is, but uh, their backup big Okanwu, DeAndre Hunter's a big question mark. Uh, they've got, you know, they'll get their, they'll get their Bogdanovich back, which will help. Um, yeah, Trey Young's not even playing great, and Atlanta's pretty good. It, Atlanta's good, so I, uh, I think there's still a chance for them as well to get in this thing because of the those, that backcourt can be really amazing. 
Yeah, the, the the Raptors had a. I think the Raptors kind of caught him on the right night kind of situation because the Raptors did beat him very yeah. handedly. I think my only issue yeah. with Atlanta is I don't know who they have specifically to guard, like the Pascal Siakams, the KDs, the oh, Jason Tatums agree. of the I world. But Literally thinking about that. Yep. Yeah. As I was talking, they have one guy. I don't know if they have two. And that's the problem with if Scotty really would have played or OG, um, you know, Tatum and Brown can do it. Uh, uh, but who are you guarding if you're Atlanta against Tatum and Brown and Siakam and Barnes potentially or Siakam and OG? Um, Jonathan Murray is a problem solver. Uh, and, and you know, listen, guarding Trey Young's no day at the beach either. Oh, no. So, uh, you basically just have they, to trap They can him, be interesting. There's not much else you can really yeah. do against him. You just got to get him. Right, get and that's a problem. That's a problem with DeJounte being the right. playmaker he is now as a shooter-scorer playmaker. So, um, yeah, I just, I just we know Atlanta can get hot in a series with Trey and knock you out. And that's why I think the playoffs this year will be the best we've ever had. Remember, I wrote an article, you probably saw it preseason. I said it's the most parody-driven league we've ever had. Yep. And so far, I'm right. It doesn't mean I will be right. But so far, we've never had a league more bunched together. Kevin, I think Kevin Pelton even wrote about this. Or maybe Goldsberry did. But someone did publicly where we've never had this bunch together uh, that we had. Maybe David Locke did. Some, some smart analyst wrote that we we have more teams closer together than ever before at this stage of the season. Yeah, uh, there are as of right now, um, there are 19 teams uh, at or within plus or minus three games of 500. Um, so that's wow. like yeah. literally two-thirds wow. of the league. Two-thirds of the league. Yeah, and yeah. you know what? <laughs> Even if the Raptors are not playing that great of late without Pascal, you kind of understand it because when, when you get Pascal back in the lineup, the rest of the guys can kind of fall into place. And yeah. hopefully, you know, you time your runs, you get a three – four, five, six game winning streak together. And then all of a sudden you, you shoot up the standings once again, but coach, we've taken a lot of your time. Thank you as always for joining us on the show. And um, yeah, best of luck with, uh, with, with everything you're doing. Thanks. Happy holidays to y'all. Yeah. Likewise. All right. We're going to take a break right here. I've been your host, Willu, and you've been listening to the Raptors show on the Sportsnet radio network. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers Sportsbook award winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, William Liu, joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. One of his signature 10-minute hits on his mm. own show. Mm. What's going on, Alex? Uh, waking up very early today uh, to do the uh, the fan morning show. Friends of the program, Ailish and uh, Cuthbert. Yeah, shall say Ailish and Cuthbert. Mm-hmm. You know, we could have done that interview at any time. We could have pre-taped it at midnight. Oh, you know, that, I'm that, sure you would have preferred it. <laughs> I, I would have definitely preferred it. But, you know, uh, as, as they say in this building, you know, I'm the number one team player here. So, you know, that's well, what everyone my, says about yo, you, man. When my number's called, sometimes I'll call back. 
Um, they, they definitely so. don't call you Jimmy Butler on the uh, <laughs> on the Philadelphia 76ers or well, <laughs> Jimmy Butler on the uh, Chicago Bulls or Jimmy Butler on the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh, welcome, welcome to this uh, new Wednesday segment we might have to brand as... Uh, I'm the lethal weapon. I do not finish second. Yo, just, sorry, the lethal <laughs> weapon No, we're, brand, we're rebranding this segment as uh, What Do You Want From Me? Uh, featuring Alex for 10 minutes. What do you want from me, man? Uh, so Kyle Lowry's coming back to Toronto. Oh, um, yeah, some, some, uh, some, some great quotes as always. So yeah. obviously Kyle touched down in Toronto uh, yesterday, posted, you know, some heart emojis and was just very happy to come home. I saw the snow and I didn't see another IG story after that. Well, man. yeah, you know, the Toronto has been very happy to host Kyle with literally uh, five inches of snow oh, immediately. Um, but Kyle, you know, is always very, very grateful to be back here. Mm. Uh, some, uh, a couple of great quotes. I'm going to walk you through those and get your thoughts on those. Oh, okay. First one from uh, Kyle Larry on being back in Toronto. Quote, it's always great to come home. Always great to be in the city. Last year was definitely a lot of butterflies. Tonight, I'm sure I'll get a good ovation, but it's a little different because it's not my first time back. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think obviously the all the hoopla last year, and because he only came here once, right? Because, yes. you know, of, of scheduling, personal reasons, he was out and all that stuff. Like, it was a big deal. Like, the, the ovation and, you know, the tribute on the Jumbotron. I'm guessing that's not going to be the case tonight. I, I think, well, I mean, first off, he should always be acknowledged every single oh, time yeah, he yeah, comes yeah. back, no matter what. Like, I'm talking yeah. about as a player, as a mm-hmm. fan, as as whatever capacity. Yeah. They should show him on the Jumbotron. But the second time is there. different, right? Like, the second yeah, time yeah, DeMar yeah. came back was different. The second um, time, I mean, has Kawhi? Kawhi's only been here once. So Kawhi was here once. That was yeah. a very memorable <laughs> and day. And only because he had to <laughs> pick up a ring. Yeah. yeah, well, he also had to pick up a dub that game. Um <sighs> So the second time is different. Yeah, uh, well, I, I, mean, I get what I get. What he's saying. Kyle, when he first came back, uh, had the incredible suit on, had all the jewelry. Remember, he was wearing two watches, oh, and okay. he had all the jewelry on, including the championship ring. Mm. You know, the shades. Yeah, I don't think you need to shade. I don't your think eyes that's happening. April. I don't think that's happening tonight. Not not as much. But, maybe um, a tracksuit tonight. Yeah, a, no, no, an FVV and a bet on yourself tracksuit. I'd be kind of hard if, actually if he did support his teammates like yeah. that. Uh, speaking of which, oh, Kyle transition. also gave a quote on OG Anobi. He said, quote, I think OG's always been a great defender. He's one of the best defenders in the league since he's been in the league. Now, I just think he's taking more pride in doing it because he's getting the attention, which he should have been getting before. Um, OG and, and, and Ginobili. Yeah, okay. So, you know, I feel like that's an ex- a very good point in terms of people just not necessarily knowing his game. But, I mean, what do you think of this idea that, like, players – respond positively to sort of like the the trends that are or the the reputations that are put upon them you know what i mean like yes og has been a great defender yes yes everyone in the raptor space knew about it but it feels like of late there's such a big outside focus mm-hmm. on it as well and it's sort of leading to this positive feedback where he's playing even better defense as a result yeah i, I think honestly like i gotta give credit to og for pushing this agenda himself like he has he has right. relatively been more outspoken like comparatively. Yes. He said any, five words instead of three. No, like he's talked about, you know, how he's always thought he was the best defensive player. And this is something that that is his goal to be in that defensive player of the year conversation. And I love this from from Kyle too. Listen, Kyle's never going to say one bad thing about Toronto or mm. one bad thing about the Raptors. And like this is right in line with it. He's always been highly complimentary of the young players, even on his way out. Right. Right. Even on his way out. I think he talked a lot about how you know he was here to mentor them and he's been really glad to see all of them grow together so it's cool it's cool to see kyle um still give all the support now you know no more drama from kyle 
Oh, like no. not, like not oh, talking man. to Masai for half a year, you know, or sitting at center court during a practice with Dwayne Casey. That was so. a weird year at the start of 2018 after the DeMar got traded and Kawhi was here. And Masai was just like, uh, Kyle, you haven't been responding to you have, you're not responding to my BBMs. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, Kyle, you, uh, you've sat down with Rachel Nichols and I still haven't heard from you since July. So. You know, it's uh, it's it wasn't a good sign when your star player sat with with Rachel Nichols. Shout out to Jimmy Butler once again. I'm telling you, the start of the start of that championship season, the vibes were terrible. The, the vibes were weird, and I remember that media day because it was my first time being credentialed for a media uh, day. Young and Buck, I, and I went in there, and yeah, everyone was buck, like, "Yeah, Young Buck, like Thanasis Atantakumpo." Oh yeah, no, I was more like Alex Atantakumpo, <laughs> oh, man. No, because um, no, it was everyone was like, "Hey, is Kawhi gonna play?" <laughs> that's a, that's like, a young it, Wisconsin herd. <laughs> Uh, Yo, how do I know that? Yeah, um, and 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 you know, everyone's asking about you know, are you are you and Kyle okay? Is there going to be more trades? <laughs> yeah. You know, why did you fire Dwayne? And then I'm just like, hey, um, are you going <sighs> to shoot 43s this season based on your summer league numbers, coach? And he's like, well, this is the best question anyone's going to ask me because it's actually about basketball and oh, not about man. these relationships. Anyway, uh, last Kyle Lowry quote, uh, he says, "quote uh, I watch a lot of Raptors games. My guys are still on this team. I support my guys. Freddie, OG, Pascal." I just like to watch how they've matured and become better individual basketball players and better men. My question to you, Alex, do you also track the careers of the young bloggers in this game that you have mentored? Because you're like the Kyle Lowry of this game. People don't understand this. You have personally overseen the success and the growth of a lot of careers in, in, in uh, Raptors media, myself obviously being the biggest example. No, once, once, uh, once they spread their wings, you know. I just kind of try to tag along like I have here. Oh, okay. Um, right. So I need you to carry me till I'm 50. I'm 30. I'm 38.1 right now. I'm Fred Van Fleet's minutes right now. So, wow. Yeah. Um, no, but I think you know yeah. what this quote actually it's makes super me cool, man. This quote makes me realize just the turnover of the team, like the, oh, just yeah. how few players there are left that are Kyle's guys on this team. What about Malachi? Malachi <laughs> was on the team when Kyle was here. What about Chris Boucher? Oh yeah, you know what? I think Chris Boucher should take that as a slight. And go for the number one star tonight. Wow. Which brings us to <laughs> Between the Lines, oh, brought to okay. you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Will, the line for tonight's game, the Raptors, as you mentioned, are hosting Kyle Lowry and the Miami Heat. The Raptors are minus two. They're two-point favorites. Mm. Injury report, Tyler Hero is out for Miami. Bam Adebayo is questionable. Apparently, Bam is out, too. Okay. Apparently, Bam is out as well. just double-check that. On the Raptor side, Otto Porter Jr., dislocated toe is out. Precious Achua, Pascal Siakam are both out. Fred Van Fleet, Gary Trent Jr. are both questionable. The Heat have won three in a row after a slow start to the season. They're seven and seven. The Raptors coming off a three-game road trip where they barely avoided getting swept by the trio of OKC, Indiana, and Detroit. I think the injuries, you got to consider the injuries tonight. Yeah. I think I think if you were to look at this game, honestly, just maybe check in pregame and uh, you know see what Nick says about Fred. I think if Fred is in, I like the Raptors minus two. Yeah, but Fred has to be in for for the Raptors to win this game because the Heat will be zoning because Bam Adebayo is ruled out tonight. Dwayne Dedman is the sole big on the roster. That's right, Udonis Haslam also injured. Oh, he, he tonight. didn't even make the trip. Uh, yeah. I guess he's just like, yo, I'm 45. I don't need to come here for the snow, man. I live in Miami. 45. <laughs> I'm not going to play anyway. Why are you bringing me? Um, 45. So, yes. Can you do something for me? No, wow. sorry. Yeah. All right. Come sorry. On, sorry. Listen to the album. Already. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, if Fred plays, I, I like the Raptors. If Fred doesn't play, I like the Heat. Okay. That's, so it's that's as simple as that for you. Yeah. Because you just know the Heat are going to play zone against yeah. you the whole time. And like, you know, without Fred knocking out five, six threes for yeah. you. 
I just struggle to see where the threes that you would need to, to beat the zone would come from. If the Heat don't play zone, I really want to see Scotty live in the paint because if the biggest guy down there is Dwayne Dedman, who can really only give you like 20 good minutes per game at, at his age, um, then yeah, you should live in the paint because no one on the court is as big as Scotty. But then again, I get, we, we've had this conversation over again. I don't have to always sort of uh, pry about it. But um, going back to before, you, you, you know, you mentioned the line for this game. When you said Chris was going to go the first star, is that because he's uh, partnering with us on a live show potentially? Oh, yeah, yeah. Tickets tickets are selling fast. Go to uh, willu.eventbrite.ca December 12th. All the proceeds from the live show will go to Chris's Slim Duck Foundation. Mm. I wasn't even going to promote it today. Why did okay. you set me up? I was literally opening up my Bet Rivers app uh-huh. to check the over-under because I was going to say, given all the injuries and all the zoning that's happening tonight, Maybe the better bet is to take the under 216 points. A 216 is low, but... <laughs> I mean, it's set pretty fair for a Toronto-Miami game, <laughs> you is know what? all I'm saying. I like that as well. Take take the under. So take, take the, the under. under and then wait to see Fred's status for the game. Can I just tell you that it yeah. might be a scenario where Nick pre-game an mm. hour and 45 because home yeah. says, oh, uh, Fred is... We're getting some encore testing. Yeah, lying. Yeah. And then he ultimately plays. Okay. That's that's my prediction. So wait till a minute before tip. <laughs> yes, literally John, set yourself an alarm for John for two set minutes the before. alarm for seven twenty nine. Hey, thank you, John, for designing that poster for us. Oh Appreciate yeah, uh, that was between the lines. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. That's it. Happy Hump Day. Happy Hump Day. Almost there. Well, look, what it's a, it's a pretty great cameo by you, I gotta say. Uh, Always. That does it for us today. I'm your host, Willu, and you're listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe, and please rate and review our show. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. Thanks again to David Thorpe, producer and co-host Alex Wong, our board producer, Derek Brandeo, and Danielle Gauthier for helping us with the YouTube stream. I will talk to you soon. soon.